0: Well, good morning what a joy it is to gather together in this space to worship to sing to fellowship and for the sacrament of baptism it doesn't get any sweeter than everything we're experiencing here this morning and today is also a special day in that it is world communion sunday so today people all around the world and all their different time zones and different denominations different worship styles and traditions We'll gather together to remember the Last Supper and to celebrate this holy meal together. This day is a reminder that the body of Christ is bigger than just Ashland Place, and it's bigger than just the United Methodist Church, it's bigger than the United States. It goes everywhere to all people of all times, of all ages, and that's a really, really powerful reminder. Because we celebrate this meal once a month in this service, there is a repetition to it that we get used to. And I think in that there is the fear or possibility that we become so familiar with it that we lose sense of the power of the liturgy, of the responses, and of what we're coming to remember. But friends, this is a powerful, life-changing meal. And in it, we're connected by the Holy Spirit to people all around the world and to God, And we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. So for our gospel lesson today, I kept coming back to the parable of the prodigal son. And I kept coming back to this parable, not necessarily for what happens in the story, but going back to why Jesus told it in the first place. So we have to think about the context. Who was Jesus speaking to? Why did he tell this parable? So if we go back to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, we find this. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to whom was Jesus speaking? A motley crew, a mixture of sinners, tax collectors, Pharisees, and scribes. This is an odd group that's gathered together, but in the midst of this crew, Jesus hears some grumbling. And what they're grumbling about, what they're complaining about is who Jesus associates with, more importantly, who he welcomes and who he has been eating with. We see throughout Scripture Jesus doing things that people are confused about. Religious people are confused about it. Onlookers are confused about it. Sinners are confused about it. Because why would Jesus eat with sinners? Why would he associate with tax collectors Why would he touch people who he knew were unclean? Over and over again, Jesus challenges us to expand our understanding of who is welcomed and who is worthy. So with the grumbling of the religious and powerful in the back of your mind, I invite you to hear this familiar parable from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have enough bread to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands." So he so he set off and went to his father, and while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy To be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now the elder son was in the field, And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, what was going on? He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he began to become angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed the fatted calf for him, then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life he was lost and he has been found. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. This is one of the most familiar parables of Jesus. Jesus was known for answering questions or responding to criticism with stories like this one, and he usually did it in a very familiar and clever way. He told these stories with very relatable characters and situations, so that we could see ourselves in the story too. I imagine that as you heard the story today, or perhaps as you've heard the story earlier in your life, you have seen yourself in either the younger brother or the older brother, or imagined how you might respond if you had been an onlooker on this, come back home, this homecoming. He also tells them in clever ways because these parables seem to be timeless. A lot has changed since biblical times when Jesus told this story for the first time to that random group of sinners and tax collectors and Pharisees and scribes, yet we can still understand what's going on in this story. We can still relate to the familiar scenarios and characters. But then again, if you look a little deeper at these parables, they're not so simple after all. They're super complex and layered, For one thing, because Jesus never exactly explains what these parables mean. Instead of responding to a question with an answer, something black or white, Jesus tells these stories and throws shades of gray all over, leaving people to ponder for themselves what the meaning could be that Jesus is trying to give to them. And on top of that, in all of these parables, there is some great reversal and there is something disruptive and challenging that happens in the middle that again causes us to wrestle with what is Jesus trying to tell us through this seemingly simple story. Dr. Tom Long, a longtime preaching professor and expert in the parables, believes that perhaps the most complex and mysterious thing about the parables is the way that they help the kingdom of God break through into earth here and now let me say that another way he argues that these parables are not symbolic and that they are not object lessons but rather they are a vessel for the kingdom of God to break through into our reality suddenly these parables are anything but simple if they are ushering in this kingdom our eternal home and when we listen to them this way and we understand the power of them in this way, we are led to lean a little closer and to look for the places that the kingdom of God is breaking in and challenging us in how we live our lives. There are numerous reversals and challenges in this parable. If this were a story about regular people on earth, we would expect the father to be angry at the son who comes back disappointed in the least. I mean, what kind of father runs to greet a son who has taken all of his money, spent it all only to come back asking for more? What kind of father kills the best animal and throws a feast, a party for all of the kingdom, for someone who abandoned his family? And in this reversal, we see a father show compassion where we expect punishment and judgment. He runs and meets him, adorns his hands with jewelry, his body with the very best robe, his feet with sandals, and sets this grand feast before him. The older son is baffled by his father's reaction. Here he comes, having worked in the field all day, working away whenever his son, this younger brother comes back, the father decides to throw this grand feast for him. The older son represents perhaps a more human or what we would expect type of response to this brother coming back. We find ourselves wanting to join him in saying, this is not fair, and kind of grumbling about the injustice of it all. Both sons, the younger prodigal son and the older faithful son, are surprised by the compassionate father's response. The younger son doesn't feel worthy of coming to this grand feast and receiving all of this mercy and compassion because of his past. And the older son feels supremely worthy of having a grand feast, of having this celebration because of his past. He believes that he has earned it. It seems that neither brother can imagine going to this feast with the other one present. Often, like the sons in the story, we have a transactional view of God, who works as a judge, giving us what we have earned or deserve, but that is not who God is. God gives us what we need, not necessarily what is impartial or fair, and this is really tough. It's tough to understand. It was tough for the older son to understand. It's tough for us to understand today but we can see that that is true by looking at how the father responds to both sons in this story. The compassionate father welcomes both of the sons, making room for them at this table, and in doing so, he demonstrates the extravagant, disruptive, and sometimes challenging love of God for all of humanity. This compassionate father shows us that the kingdom of God is one that rejoices in huge extravagant ways when someone repents and returns home. The compassionate father shows us that the kingdom of God that in the kingdom of God our sins and mistakes are forgiven. They are washed clean, they do not define us anymore. The compassionate father shows us that the kingdom of God is a place where all are welcomed and all are invited. This parable is a gift and a challenge for those of us who follow Christ, those of us who are called to carry out this example that Jesus first started for us. It's easy when we're supposed to invite or welcome in people that we like, or people that are like us, people that we can see ourselves in, but it becomes a lot more difficult when we are supposed to extend this welcome to the ends of the earth, to people perhaps that we do not think are worthy or deserving. But Jesus throughout his ministry until the very end continued to emphasize this message of full inclusion and welcome for all people on the night on the last night of his life Jesus gathered around a table we know of this as the last supper but I want you to think about who was around that table with Jesus it was all 12 disciples 11 who were generally faithful devoted and loyal to Jesus But one who very soon would turn Jesus over, betray him, and have him killed. But still, Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body given for you. And then, as a part of this new covenant, he lifted up the cup, and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And in that little phrase, for many, we are included in this great sacrifice, the Before many extends to us here today, it extends to all people who want to come to the table. Jesus gave his life to extend mercy, compassion, and welcome to generation to generation, from country to country, from old to young, from rich to poor, from the church to the unchurched. Jesus is not interested in keeping tabs on who is technically worthy or who has done their share of good deeds. Because the truth is, no one is deserving or worthy to come to this table, yet we are all welcomed and invited. Through considering the parable of the prodigal son and the Last Supper, we are challenged to accept the love and welcome that God extends to all. By God's great mercy that includes us and this is good news, the best news that we have been saved, we have been given a second chance. But it also means that it extends to other people. Perhaps from the wealth of love and compassion we have been shown amid our sin and brokenness, we can extend that same love and welcome to others. May we, like the compassionate Father, be intentional in extending our welcome, our tables, our love, and care. others to help usher in more and more of the kingdom of God here on earth. Today we join with Christians all around the world by celebrating this all-encompassing love of God. The table has been set, so as we prepare to come to this table, let us join together with the invitation, confession, and pardon, noting that we are not worthy and still we are invited and forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.